The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Good morning, saints. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining in this worship service to worship the Lord with us. And I'm believing God that God would touch you, that would touch your life today, and that God will be to you all that you need in this hour and in this season. And I thank God that as he touches us day by day, he'll also load us with his benefits and his blessings and all the saints of God would be able to say, it was good to be touched by the Lord. Amen? Amen. Two weeks ago, I started a message that I want to continue today. A series that I'm calling, False Prophets. How shall we know them? And so this morning, I'm reading to you my foundation text that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 18, the 20th verse says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who in the name of other God, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know? How shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? God says in verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. False prophets, how shall we know them? We're living in a season right now of hearing the voices of many false prophets because they're prophesying things and events that did not come to pass. And God says, because it didn't come to pass, then those were the very things that he had not spoken to them. God says these prophets have spoken presumptuously and that we, the people of God, should not be afraid of them. And today I'm calling this message Plastic Preachers and Charlatans. Plastic Preachers and charlatans. Now, false prophet is someone who intentionally prophesies with an agenda that is not God's agenda. The agenda of false prophets is usually money, fame, or power. Allah, the prophet Balaam, as you'll find in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, and chapter 23. There you find that the prophet Balaam was hired 
by King Balak of the Moabites to come and curse the Israelites. And he promised the prophet Balaam that he would give him financial reward and that he would promote him to honor. And that is the motivation of a false prophet. It's usually all about money, fame, and power. And I submit to you this morning that false prophets are plastic preachers. Why do I say that? Because their ministries are artificials. Their ministries are fake and insincere. Some of also charlatans because they use prophecy to lie, to deceive, to defraud and trick God's people out of their money and their possessions. False prophets are plastic preachers and charlatans. So how can we know them? That's the question. How can we, as the people of God, know who are the false prophets? How do you know that a preacher is plastic? Or that a preacher is a charlatan? Well, God instructs his people to apply the one-strike rule. And we find the one-strike rule in our text this morning. God says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen to come to pass, that thing which the, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and we shall not be afraid of him. Beloved, that is the one-strike rule. If a prophet prophesies an event and that event doesn't happen, that event doesn't come to pass, God says that that prophet has spoken something that he did not speak to the prophet. And God says that one strike, that prophet is out. You know, prophecy isn't like baseball where you get three strikes, then you're out. No prophecy, you get one strike. When you say, thus says the Lord, when you say the Lord has commanded and it doesn't happen, it doesn't come to pass, then God says with that one strike, you're out because you've spoken presumptuously and the people you spoke it to shall not be afraid of you. So the question that many of you might be thinking right now. Can a true prophet fail in prophecy? Can a true prophet fail in prophecy? And I submit to you that a true prophet can fail in prophecy. They can make a mistake. They can get it wrong. They can misinterpret the dream or the vision God showed them. But when they get it wrong, when they make a mistake, when that prophecy fail, a true prophet will take full responsibility for that false prophecy. A true prophet will humble himself and repent. But a false prophet will justify the false prophecy. The false prophet will explain away the false prophecy. The false prophet will do everything to cover up his own image and reputation. But a true prophet can fail in prophecy. Prophecy is that one gift 
of all nine of the gifts of the Spirit, it's that one gift that God says it must be judged. And because it must be judged, then God implies there is a possibility that a prophecy can fail, that the prophet can get it wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, Paul says, let the prophet speak, two or three, and let the others judge. Why would God want prophecy judged if all prophecy would be 100% accurate every time a prophecy was given? See, the problem is not the prophecy failing. The prophecy is the prophet fails. The prophet fails with their attitude. The prophecy fail. The prophet fails with their hubris, if you will. They fail because they just won't humble themselves. They just won't repent. They got a reputation to maintain. They got an agenda that they got to continue to put forth. But it's not about the prophet. It's about, it's about God. But the false prophet has made it about him or herself. Now to advance their agenda, a false prophet will prophesy healing or prosperity presumptuously. Then out of their pride and their arrogance, when that prophecy doesn't come to pass, they will blame you. They will blame your lack of faith. They will blame your insincere prayer life. Wait a minute. Hold up. If you said God said, what do I have to do with it? If you said God said, what do they have to do with it? Many people have been disappointed because healings weren't manifest according to the prophet. Many people have been discouraged and just given up because that financial prosperity didn't happen according to the word of that prophet. And the reason it didn't happen because the prophet spoke a word that God had not spoken to them. The prophet had spoken presumptuously. And this is why the, prophet, the prophecy fell. But when the prophecy fell, you shouldn't blame the people. You should take full responsibility as the prophet yourself. It's a terrible thing to make a person feel bad like that. You prophesy their healing. And the healing doesn't manifest. And you're making them feel like it was because of their lack of faith. It wasn't their faith that produced the prophecy. So why has it got to be about their faith to bring about the manifestation? You talked about how God was going to bless them if they gave to you. And they gave to you and they didn't get blessed. And then you want to say it's because of your lack of faith. It's because you're not praying enough. Well, it wasn't my faith and my prayer life that produced the prophecy. So it shouldn't be my faith or my prayer life that has anything to do with the prophecy coming to pass if God said. And when God says, it's not conditional. When God says, it must come to pass. When the Lord speaks, it is done. When he commands, it must stand fast. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Here Deuteronomy tells us, when the prophet speaks presumptuously, you should not stand in awe of them. In other words, you should not be afraid of them. Why are you in awe of a prophet who got it wrong? We want to revere prophets. We want to honor prophets. We want to give them deference and respect. Like they say, there's some great man, a woman of God. But the Bible says when they get it wrong, you should not be afraid of them. In other words, beloved, you should not stand in awe of them. It's about God, not about the prophet. God wants us just to judge the prophecy. We don't have to judge the man or the woman who gave the prophecy. Just judge the prophecy. And when the prophecy doesn't come to pass, God says, don't stand in awe of that man or woman who brought the prophecy. In fact, Jeremiah, God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 verse 9, God says, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. God says, I didn't send them. If God didn't send them, what was the motivation? If God didn't send them, why would they prophesy your healing? If God didn't send them, if God didn't send them, why would they prophesy your prosperity? They were more concerned about their own wholeness, their own prosperity, more than yours. And God says, they're speaking falsely to you. God says, I have not sent them. You see, some went and some are sent. And those who just went, their prophecy is going to fail. But when God sends you, that prophecy is going to come to pass. Plastic preachers and Charles, listen to me very carefully. I've been around long enough to know this. Many of you have been around long enough to know this. Many of you have been preyed upon, fallen victim to a plastic preacher or charlatan. Plastic preachers and charlatans are all about the Benjamins. Did you hear what I said? They're all about the Benjamins. Now, Benjamins is an, an analogy to the $100 bill. Now, those of you that, are, that, that have a $100 bill or had a $100 bill, you'll notice that the image on the $100 bill is a picture of Benjamin Franklin. And the plastic preachers and charlatans, they're all about the Benjamins. They're all about the money. They prophesy lies, false visions out of the seat of their hearts. Have you ever been in a worship service and a so-called prophet will stand before the congregation and they will say what God said, that everybody in this service is to give $100. Wait a minute. God said everybody in this service is to give $100. And many people in that service don't have $100. Don't know what $100 look like. Many people in the service didn't have any money at all. Some people in that service, when they heard God said that everybody to give $100, 
They start looking within themselves and say, well, what's wrong with me? I don't have $100. In fact, I don't have gas money to offer my brother or sister to give me a ride home. But yet God said, give me $100. Everybody ought to give $100. Now, I haven't found in my Bible anywhere where God speaks like that. That is the voice of the plastic preacher. That is the voice of the charlatans. They're prophesying lies. They're prophesying false visions out of the seat of their own heart. I'll never forget in the first church I pastored. Just a storefront church. In fact, we could seat 68 people in that congregation within that building. And I'll never forget it. I invited this prophet in to run a few nights of a meeting for us. And i never forget this, that this prophet came in and I didn't know that he operated like that. Now, any, any of you know me, I don't allow that. You see, I don't allow that. See, when we have a guest preach in our church, I receive the offering, okay, because I'm going to believe God, honor God, and I want you to do the same thing, and we're going to be a blessing to that prophet, that preacher, or whoever they are. We're going to bless them with whatever you give, and we add something to it. And if that's not sufficient, they need to look for another place to go the next time. Don't come here, because we're committed to the word. I haven't found in the word anywhere where God says everybody ought to give a certain amount. But I believe I read somewhere that you ought to purpose in your heart and so give. I believe I read somewhere that you give not according, come on, to what somebody says, but you first got to have a willing mind and so give. Glory to God. But in the first church I pastored, I'll never forget the prophet was in one evening and at the end of his message, he, received, he wanted to receive an offering for himself. And he said that God said that, I forget how many people he said, but he said X amount of people ought to give $100. We didn't have no $100 people in our church. We had poor people in our church. We had single parents, single mothers in our church. Huh? We had people that didn't have transportation in our church. But this prophet said, God said that X amount of people ought to give $100. And I'll never forget, this lady in my church, a young lady, she had two or three kids. She didn't work, which means she was on public assistance. Come on. In other words, aid for dependent children. She was the first one to jump up in the line. First one to jump up in the line. The same woman that jumped up into the line was the same woman who needed assistance from the church. But somehow that prophet, that prophet, what's the word I'm looking for? Bewildered her to believe that if she would give her $100, that everything would be all right. I'm telling you, everything was not all right. Huh? Everything was not all right. She was poor before the prophet came. She was poor after the prophet left. And for years in our church, she was still poor. 
in need of help and assistance. But she fell prey. She got suckered because the prophet spoke lies and false visions out of the seat of his heart. That prophet was nothing more than a plastic preacher and a charlatan. And I never invited him back. There's a lot I've never, a lot of them I've never invited them back. Hello? I believe in the fivefold ministry. I believe in apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I believe that we need all of those ministries in the church. But when I invite an apostle or prophet, an evangelist into the church, if they don't pan out according to the scriptures, then I don't invite them back. Is that plain and simple? I have a responsibility as a shepherd to guard the flock. And guarding the flock means also guarding your finances. Glory to God. Glory to God. So plastic preachers and charlatans, what they really do, beloved, they fleece the sheep rather than feeding the sheep. Let me say it again. They fleece the sheep rather than feeding the sheep. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, God said, and I will give you pastors who will, after my own heart, and that's important, I will give you pastors after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Did you hear what the Lord said to Jeremiah? I will give you pastors after mine own heart. In other words, they have a heart for God. They have a heart to obey God. They'll have a heart to please God. They'll have a heart to do everything that glorifies God. He says, I will give you pastors after my own heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, doesn't it stand the reason? Listen to me very carefully. If God gives his people pastors after his own heart to feed them with knowledge and understanding, doesn't it stand the reason that he also gives the, the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers after his own heart to feed them with knowledge and understanding? Glory to God. God called for us to feed the sheep, not bleed the sheep. In the Gospel of John, chapter 21, probably around verse 15. Now there at the sea of Tiberias, Jesus will appear to his disciples, at least some of them, for the third time after his resurrection. His disciples are out on the sea. Peter and some of the others. Peter and John and some of the others. They're out on the sea toiling all night trying to catch fish. And Jesus stands on the shoreline and he calls out to them and he says, do you have any fish? They said, no. Jesus said to them, then cast your net on the right side. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. And when they cast the net on the right side of the boat, they caught a multitude of fish. And then Peter had jumped out of the boat. Peter had jumped out of the boat because the boat was near the shore because they recognized that this was Jesus. So Peter jumped out of the boat, ran to shore, 
And the other disciples came to shore dragging 153 fish, 153 fish in a net. And the miracle was, or the second miracle was, the net did not break. When they got to shore, I need you to follow this. When they got to shore, they found that Jesus was preparing them breakfast. Jesus had fish and bread on coals of fire. So Jesus fed his disciples. He said, come and dine. He made breakfast for them. And after they ate breakfast, after they ate probably a scrumptious breakfast, then Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Now, I don't know if he's talking about his fishing equipment, his boat, or he's talking about the apostles, the other apostles themselves. But he said to Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Don't bleed them, feed them. Then he asked Peter the second time, Simon Peter, lovest thou me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Then Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. Don't bleed them, feed them. Feed my sheep. Then he asked him the third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter became grieved in his heart because the Lord had asked him that three times. And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. Then Jesus said to Peter, then feed my sheep. Don't bleed them, Peter. Feed them. And that's our mandate as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Our mandate is to feed the people of God, not believe them. Then in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, in the 20th chapter, probably around the 28th verse, you find where Paul was departing from the church at Ephesus. So he called the elders of the church together and he began to encourage them and instruct them. And one of the instructions he gave the elders of the church of Ephesus in verse 28, he said to them, take heed, take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Ghost have made you overseer to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Did you hear what Paul said to the elders of the church at Ephesus? He says, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. You got to check yourself before you try to check the people of God. He said, take heed to yourself and unto all the flock. Take heed to yourself and all the flock. Take heed to yourself. What is he saying? What is he saying? He's saying be on guard. Be on guard about your own attitude, your own motivations. Be on guard. Pay attention to your motivations. What's driving you? Be on guard. Then he said, 
Watch yourself first. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.